you know, one of the things about pastoring that's the hard part is that God owns the sheep, and he sends them to different places. They come and go. And uh, Kelly, where, come, you come on up, uh, back up. And uh, Charles, uh, come on, where are you guys going in such a hurry? You got a breakfast or something? You're like, man, we're out of here. We're done. They did a great job in worship, didn't they? Yeah. Come on. This is uh, their last Sunday with us. This is Jacob and Taylor. And he, he kind of came to us first and then found her. And, and it's always painful to have anybody leave. But when they play the drums, it's extra painful. It's, uh, uh, and, he's not, and not just when they play the drums, but when they're a good drum player. So now it's even extra more painful. But they're going to, to get, you're going to Gainesville, right? Staying in Florida. Being near the Gators. Come on, go Gators. All right, and not a lot of Gator fans out there, buddy, but, but we are. So, But we bless you guys. Thank you for your faithfulness and serving. And so we just want to stretch out our hands and bless them and, and uh, send them on their way with our blessing. Lord, thank you for this couple. It's their newly married and new beginning and new adventure, Lord. You're moving them to uh, Gainesville. I just pray you go before them, Lord, and give them uh, good friends. Lord, uh, people that they can relate to that'll be good friends, Lord, that they can grow together in faith. And Lord, plant them in a good church, uh, Lord, that they can serve in and grow in. And just just uh, as we've been praying, Lord, the Jabez prayer, we pray that you'll bless them a lot, Lord, with your presence, your joy, your protection. Lord, that you enlarge their territory, put favor on them, promotion on them and their work and their service unto you. Let your hand be upon them, God, and, and your favor. Let them walk out with your favor and guard and keep them from harm and pain and evil. And we bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, buddy. We'll hear from you. And when you come back, bring the drumsticks with you. So you got a program, just a couple things I want to go over that are coming up that we need to bring to your attention that you'll uh, uh, you know, like to be a part of this time of the year. It's like a relaunching for us. Uh, we re relaunch our small groups. Uh, they'll start a week, uh, the, the, the first week of February. And if you're not in a group, uh, this is uh, uh, the glue of our church. This is how we establish community and family. And, and, and it's just, and there's no perfect group. And you won't find one except mine, and it's full, and you can't go to it. So other than that, there's no perfect groups. There's no perfect people, but you'll be loved on and welcome. And we do, uh, uh, Pastor Kim and I shot the, the last series that we're going to be doing, or the new series, uh, on the Christian wardrobe. It might be interesting, learning how to dress to come to church. And I just, you know, kidding. Anyway, some of you have been around a long time. There are churches that teach that. But we uh, did our DVD series. We, we, you show them in all of our groups. Uh, we're all on the same page. So do we have anybody uh, launching here, uh, group leaders here? Group isn't full. Uh, uh, who, do, who do we got? Anybody here? Group's not full. Okay. We'll start over here. Lexi, where, where are you guys? When do you meet and where? Monday at our house. And is it uh, 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 mixed, uh, couples, singles, whatever? Kids. You can bring children to your group. Okay. That's going to be a, a, a good group. So. Come destroy their room. And so uh, you can find her afterwards. You can mark on her, uh, Lexi, uh, back at Vince and Aaron. Okay, where are you guys? You're, you're going to be in Estero. Anybody here in Estero area? Huh? Or, or let's just say South Fort Myers, Estero. We're launching over. So, you know, we're, we're excited about venturing out to Estero and uh, someone else. Anyone else we got going on? Groups aren't full yet. Uh, but mark in here on your sheet what would work good for you, uh, and we'll follow up and help you. But you're going to have to be, put on your big boy, big girl pants and find one. You know, we're not going to, you know, just, it will make it as easy as we can, but you've got to find room in your schedule. And maybe you can't make it every week. That's okay. Once a month is better than nothing. Find a group. Get connected. Make the vineyard home. Now, speaking of making the vineyard home, we have our membership course that we're offering on February 6th, Sunday after this service. Uh, we'll be in the gap with the lunch. Uh, my wife and I lead it. We call it UIO, Upward, Inward, and Outward. It's our three-directional vision that God's given us. And so this is the way to discover the vineyard family. And this is the way to unpack your bags 
and, and move from just being a guest and an attender to this is home. This is our church. And this is where really your, your growth here will, will take off as you get connected. So mark that on there if you'll be at our next, that's February 6th. And then this Friday, we have a, a, a night of prayer and worship. We, we like to fast, whether it's one meal, all meals. Come here Friday night. The room will be totally set up different. The band will be in the middle. Chairs are all around in a circle. And we cry out to Jesus. It's the most important thing we do here, I would say. And so come if you can. That's Friday night. And then one last thing, just to keep it on your radar, on the 5th of February, which is Saturday, uh, Pastor Kim will be doing a, a prayer training. We, we kind of got away from coming to the cross and laying hands on people since COVID, but we're going to re-implement that, and, and we'll be careful, and people can wear masks or not, and, and, but we want to reignite just the heart of prayer for others. A little different than we do on Friday night's intercession. This is more hands-on prayer for healing. And, and so, and, and whether you actually end up on our prayer team or not, it doesn't matter, uh, but it can help you in your groups. It can help you pray for your spouse, for your children. Um, there's a certain style that we pray with at the vineyard. Doesn't make us better, but if you're going to be among us, you need to learn the style. Uh, and, and so that you can pray in line with kind of who we are as a church. So we, we don't just do it because that's the way we've always done it. There's a theology to what we do. So that'll be February 5th, Saturday morning. So there's some good things to sign up on. Put them in the baskets on the way out or on the, uh, 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 in the boxes that are on the side where you put your offerings. And so we'd be glad to have you at all of it. All right. Let me just say a prayer, kind of refocus here as we launch into this uh, time in his word. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing among us. Pray that you would guide people's steps into membership. Lord, that they'll move into belonging uh, here, that this will become home. Lord, I pray that you help guide people into groups, uh, establish them in relationships in the church so that they'll more, be more than just attenders, but they'll be uh, people that connect and belong. And, and Father, we just thank you for your love. Open our hearts as we open your word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. All right. We're in uh, Jabez Prayer Territory, First Chronicles chapter 4. If you haven't been with us, you can catch up, watch online. We did the bless me a lot line. Remember, this isn't a prayer that you just say, Lord, I just pray the Jabez prayer over my wife. No, you pray the Jabez prayer over your wife. You don't just quote that it's a prayer. That's like saying, I, I quote the Lord's prayer. We'll pray the Lord's Prayer. That's okay. But you pray, bless her a lot. I pray for every day. If you want to change your marriage, you start praying the Jabez Prayer for your spouse every day. Every day. You want to see your children change. Start praying it. And again, it's not, Lord, I pray that it's, Lord, bless her a lot today. Refresh her. She's had a busy week. God, just pour out your grace and strength on her. And then, Lord, enlarge her territory. Expand the vision and things you want to do with her. And then, Lord, let your hand be upon her. We're going to talk about that line today, so I won't elaborate. But then, Lord, keep her from harm and pain and protect her and, and let her just have a, a blessed day today. And so this Jabez prayer, we're taking it one line at a time. Bless me a lot. Enlarge my territory we talked about last week. The bad side is God, when he enlarges your territory, he exposes your inadequacies. So if you want to protect your inadequacies and hide them, then don't pray for enlarged territory. Because when you pray for enlarged territory, he's going to give you promotion, influence, opportunities. Doors are going to open. Something's going to happen in your life that's going to expose how inadequate you are, but yet God still gives you the opportunity. And what do you do? depend on Jesus. You pray the vineyard prayer. Do you know the vineyard prayer? Come on, those that know it, pray with me. Oh God, oh God, oh God, help! Let's try it one more time. Oh God, oh God, oh God, help! If you're struggling with a Jabez prayer and it's too wordy for you, start there. It's a great prayer. And when God enlarges you, you're going to pray that prayer because you're going to feel like, God, I'm not, this is over my head. I live in this prayer. Every step in ministry. You know, someone said to me the other week, they said, I said, yeah, I don't eat before I preach and, uh, on Thursday. And I said, you know, I just, I get nervous. And I get, you get nervous after doing it all these? I said, yeah, I get nervous. I said, I know what it is if God doesn't help me 
And he said, well, God always helps you, doesn't he? I said, there can always be that time he decides not to. And it's going to be really bad. And I know what that is. So I said, God, I need your hand. So we're going to talk about the line, what did Jabez mean when he said, let your hand be on me, be with me, upon me. I want to kind of take the hand of God, the hand that Isaiah talks about, holds the waters in his hands. I have some of these verses on the other side of your sheet. The hands that hold the waters, the hand that can turn the king's heart wherever he chooses. If he can turn a king to follow his way, whatever way he wants to get done, he can turn that loved one's heart that you've been worrying about and fearing. God can turn a heart. So I want to take the fingers of a hand, and I've thought through this, okay? Now, some of you might remember the old prayer hand that uh, someone came up with, and it used all the fingers and, you know, the hand of thanksgiving and the hand of supplication and the hand of intercession and the hand of whatever. I, you know, I can't remember it. So, but I'm going to go through. So we're going to run today. You got your running shoes on? Bible running shoes? Okay. You can watch it up here. You can mark it on the card. Uh, you know, I got the scriptures listed. So I want you to stay with us as we're just going to kind of do a race through the Bible on the hand of God by taking it a finger at a time. We're going to start with the index finger, the pointer, the, 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 the finger. I like to call it the one-way finger. For some of you that have been around the Jesus movement, when we got saved in the 70s, this was how we worshiped. We didn't lift that. We just lifted that finger. It's one-way Jesus. I still do. I did it last night at the wedding, and Pastor Kim and I closed the deal on a couple, and they shouted, you, and they turned around and I had one finger up, one way, Jesus, and it's the pointer finger of guidance. So I want you to look with me in Isaiah. These are some great chapters in the book of Isaiah to people that were going through horribly difficult times, and, and they were in exile and suffering, and, and God's bringing them hope and encouragement and vision for a renewed future, and they were fearful. But in chapter 40, I love this, this line about the guidance of God. Uh, I'll, I'll pick it up in verse, uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse four, or chapter 41. Isaiah 41, I'll read 9 first. I took you from the ends of the earth. Think about God grabbing you with his hand. That's how I got saved. I don't know about you. I wasn't looking for the Lord. He came looking for me. He knocked on my heart. He showed me his love. He opened my eyes. He showed me how much I needed. He grabbed me. I'm glad he did. Amen? I was drowning. You know, when, you, when you're drowning, you see a hand stuck out. You grab that hand. You know you need hope. You know. So he says, I came looking for you, Jamie. I came looking for you. From the ends of the earth, from the furthest corners, I called you. You're my servant. I've chosen you and have not rejected you. So verse 10, so do not fear. Do you know fear is a big deal to God? He doesn't like it. He doesn't like his children to have it. It's not good. It's normal, but not good. Think of it this way, not to condemn yourself, but when's the last time you said, Father, forgive me for walking in fear? It's a sin to distrust God. God takes it real personal when you let fear rule your life. Not that you have fear, we all do, but you have to overcome it. I was talking about fear one time and struggling with buying this building. And I said, I've been sleeping, I haven't slept in nights and I'm overcome and I have anxiety and I have fear about buying the building. And I had some couple came up and said, we're going to find another church. I said, you are? Why? We don't want a pastor that has fear. I said, well, would you rather have one that's a liar? Because if you go to any church and you ask that pastor, does he ever have fear? And if he says no, he's a liar. Because there's not human. But if having fear and having fear rule, you are two different things. You overcome it. You face it. You face the bullies we talked about last week. So this is how you do it. God says, don't have fear why? Because I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. And don't miss this. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the hand of guidance. This is God saying, Jamie, he doesn't just point you to the will of God. He leads you to his will by holding his hand. That puts us in a posture of what? 
Well, if you're holding his hand, you're the child. He's the father, parent, father. It puts you in a place of depending. I don't know where we're going, but does it matter if I've got his hand? The answer's no. That was a rhetorical question, but you can't answer them unless it's embarrassing on yourself. He guides us as a father who grips our hand. One of the first songs I ever sang in the vineyard, I'd tie on, I was a Baptist, and I'd been my first vineyard conference. And they sang this little song. There was a thousand people there, you know, and we stood out like neon lights. I don't know, you didn't have your hair in a bun, did you, honey? You know, we didn't go that far back then, but she, you know, we were, we were anyway. So we sang this little song, Hold Me, Lord, in Your Arms. And I, I started crying. I'd never sang a song that intimate that said, I want to be held by my father and, and fill me, Lord, with your spirit. I tried to do that in a church here a few years ago. and it just, Nobody liked it. But anyway, it touched me at the time. And, 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 and I was broken because the hands of the father just picked me up. I loved it when my dad would pick me up. I'll never forget when I was five-year-old. And it was, again, I know my stories reveal a lot about me, but just find yourself in them and don't judge me. So, and, and that's the point of a good story. It's not like, wow, I know about his brokenness. Well, then find your own in it, and then you have your own stories. Anyway, so I'm five years old. We lived in Winter Park, Florida, and there, it's hilly there. It's beautiful, beautiful. I was born in Florida. Folks are from up north. And gracious to God, he, he let me be born in the south. So I was born in Florida. And so I don't know why my buddy and I got this fun whim. This yard guy was working at the bottom of a driveway, cleaning the yard up. And, we, and there, was a, there was a grapefruit tree there. And we just started rolling grapefruits down the driveway. When he wasn't looking. Well, he picked up the first couple because he probably wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. He probably thought, I already I thought I got those. And there was more there. And so we just, whoop, we rolled more down. Finally, he looks up, he runs up the driveway. My buddy outran me. That's all you got to do when you, someone's chasing you is be able to outrun the other one. So I'm stuck. He grabs me by the back. He bends over and he picks up a rotten grapefruit and he mashes it in my face. I mean, mashed it. I'm five years old. Who does that to a five-year-old? And I, what am I going to do about it? I tell you what I did about it. I ran home, got my dad. I got grapefruit all over me, burning my eyes, burning my nose. I'm crying and traumatized. And my dad said, come on, son, you're coming with me. I said, I don't want to go, dad. You're coming with me, son. I thought I was, and I don't know. I did. And he grabbed me by the hand. He pulled me out of the house. And we walked about four doors down to where this guy was. And he called the guy out. And I'm standing there and he's holding my hand. And the guy's coming up the drive. And he looked at me and he said, son, you go on home. And he shoved me out of the way. Now, I don't know what went down that day at that driveway, but I went home with my head up, knowing my daddy's taking care of my problem. I guarantee you that God never gave me another problem. When you walk with Jesus, you hold the hand of the one that's going to face anything you face, and he ain't afraid of it. Amen? He holds your hand, not because he needs it, but because we need it. My wife and I have developed over the years, just I appreciate the models of people that we've seen. And I just, you know, a, a number of years ago decided I'm going to start holding my wife's hand. You know, I was going to sing this morning. I tried to get, you, you think you have influence in your church and your team and been around. You think you can make a song request and maybe the song worship leader would abide by it. And they, sometimes they'll pull the relative card like I'm the daughter, dad, and no, we're not doing that song. So anyway, I want to do... I want to hold your, Zachary, you could have done it, couldn't you, buddy? I know you, I knew you could have pulled it off. Kelly's like, nobody knows it, nobody will do it. I wanted to do, I want to hold your hand, Lord Jesus. No, I didn't want to make it religious anyway. Not trying to pervert the Beatles, but they're already. So we're just, just going with the flow here. I got to hurry up. I'm only on finger one. Walk down the driveway. What was my point? Don't know. Oh, that we hold hands. We hold hands. I just, that's what I do. At night, pretty much every night I go to bed, she's, I'm in there first, and then she'll make her way in. She sneaks in thinking she's never sneaking, but I know. And I just go, boom, boom, boom. And she, first time she'll act like, then she knows, boom, boom, boom. And I hold the fingers up. 
because I want her to hold my hand. And we go to bed holding hands. You can say, Jamie, you're a big baby. Absolutely. <laughs> the older I get, the bigger the baby I become. My mama was dying, had straps on her arms that they restraints, which I didn't know. And I came there and pulled the skin off her arms. And, and I said, uh, said, Mom, you're going to be okay. And she said, I just want to hold your hand. And I thought all the time she'd held my hand. And I said, she said, I don't want you to go. I said, I said Mom, Jesus is going to be here to hold your hand. She said, I know, but I want something with skin on it. <laughs> And we all do, and it's great to, to, so let me just encourage you couples, hold your hand, hold hands. There'll be a time that hand ain't going to be there. You're going to wish you'd held it. Hold hands. But his hand points us, but walks with us in the fire, through the valley of the shadow of death. He walks with us. You don't always feel it, but by faith, I'll just have to say, Lord, would you just give me a little squeeze right now? Let me know you're here. Just, and I don't feel anything. I don't feel this. But by faith, I take it. I know God's going to hold my hand. Number two, second finger is the middle finger, which has a history of not being a good finger. <laughs> Maybe not in your life, but in some of the people here, pastor included. I want you to look with me to the book of Ezra and the Old Testament. Uh, uh, it's right after all the first and seconds. 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra. Ezra is a story about this, this uh, priest, uh, leader of Israel that gets uh, the blessing of God to help lead the people to go back. to they've been, they've been punished by God into another nation that's a godless nation. And God gives this, this, this leader favor with the king. He's not a believer, but God gives him favor. That's why I want to use this middle finger, though it's an obscene finger to many people. And you know what? I did a little research on that. It's been a bad finger for a long time. I mean, I'm talking way before the Vietnam War, way before Country Joe and the Fish, way before, you don't even know what that is. Some of you don't remember Woodstock. Give me an F, give me an F. Okay, so it's been a finger that's been used for obscene gesture and meaning various things. Now in the UK, I learned that they don't use the middle finger. They tie the index and the middle finger together. And when I was on the roundabout and never been on a roundabout, didn't know on a roundabout, you got to know what lane to get in before you get in it because if you're going to get off the roundabout, you got to be in the right lane to get off the right exit. I never knew that. I just thought it was stupid. Everybody drove around in circles. And I got two fingers. I'm like, I know what this means. It wasn't this. It was this. I knew it was something bad because of the words that followed after it. Had to do with moron and F this and you, be, you, know, you know, just, there was no mercy. Come to find out, I asked a couple of people, I don't know whether this is urban legend or true or not, but that the reason they hold up their fingers like that is because when they fought the French, they would capture, the, the British would get captured, and these were the bow fingers that they would pull their bow back and they would cut their fingers off so they could no longer shoot bows and arrows back at their, I don't know, made sense to me. So they're giving the French the finger. And so I wanted to use the middle finger as the favor finger. Let's spin it upside down. So now you can give the finger in a whole different way, but no one will know it, so don't do it. God loves you. <laughs> we had a friend, he was a prophetic guy, and he lost that middle finger, so I don't know how. And he wore a glove. You know what I'm talking about? Have you heard this story, Jim? He wore a glove, and uh, when he, up north, he lived up north, he, pastor, he wore a glove. When he drove his truck, it looked like this. Because his, his, the, the, the glove was stiff, and he had no finger to pull it in. So he rode down the road, and people would swear at him. Do you remember that guy? Do you remember? It was like James Riles. Was it James Riles? I think that was who the prophetic guy. But anyway, he may still be living and hunt me down and sue me for telling his story. But he told, okay, favor finger, move on. Ezra, seven. This is the middle finger. This is the finger of God's hand that Ezra walked with that gave him the, 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 the favor to get smiled upon to do what God called him to do. In verse, uh, uh, chapter 7, verse 9, uh, Ezra had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month and arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month. For the gracious hand of his God was on him. 
I love that. In the older version that I'm more, I, I grew up reading, the King James, it says the good hand. I debated gracious hand and good hand, and we talked about it. I went with good hand on the, on, the, on the title of the message. And there's nothing wrong with the word gracious. The word means uh, 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 something that's kind, gentle. Uh, it, it, it can be merry. I don't know if this was where our founder, John Wimber, got the phrase, the dancing hand of God. He'd speak of the Holy Spirit moving with the gifts. But anyway, this is the hand that came on Ezra that gave him the king's favor to let him do what he was doing. And he recognized it wasn't about me. It's because God's hand was upon me. Do you know that praying for God's hand of favor is God to open doors and you have no way of knowing, why did that person like me? Why did that person see me? Why did that person recognize me? Why did that person have interest in me? Why did I get that up? Because favor opens doors. When you pray the Jabez prayer for God to enlarge you and you pray for his hand, you're praying for God's favor, his smile to go with you. You don't feel that, but you see the evidence of it when things happen in your life that the only explanation is is God's good hand is upon me but don't miss the next verse because Ezra knew his hand was on him because verse 10 for Ezra had devoted himself to study and observe the law of the Lord and teaching his decrees so it wasn't Christian magic he's had a hand of God on him which made him hungry for God and the more hungry he was for God, the more he felt the hand of God. The more he felt the hand of God, the more hungry he was for God. So Jabez said, Lord, may your hand be with me. So when you're going to a job interview or you're, you're going to ask someone out on a date or you're going to, you know, people say, how did you get your wife? I said, it's the hand of God. What? He blinded her until we got married. It's true. You can pray that prayer. Lord, keep her eyes blind till we get married. Then you can open them. And she rolls over and goes, ah, who are you? Can you sing? No. It's favor. I got a good wife because the good hand of God. You can't get a wife like I got by just being good looking and smart. Because I was neither. And I got her. I told her when we were dating, I said, I got to warn you before we kiss. I said, once you taste these lips, you'll never want another pair. <laughs> Hand to God. Favor. Was it true? Come on. Lie. You can lie if you want. God will forgive you later and I'll be happy. Don't ruin a good story with the truth. You know, we've, we've got that agreement. God's hand of favor. Also in verse 27, the same chapter, praise be to the Lord God of our fathers who has put it into the king's heart. There it is, that Proverbs. God's got the heart of the king in his hands. To bring honor to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Verse 28, who has extended his good favor to me before the king and his advisors and all the king's powerful officials because of the hand of the Lord my God was on me. I took courage. And I gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. That's so how the kingdom works. It's not that we're strong. It's hand gives us courage. He holds our hand. He gives us favor. Favor to gather those that just whatever God's purpose. It's his favor. The opposite of it, to walk in not his favor, is that you're not going to have the courage and you're going to dispel people and you're not going to have the smile of God on your life. Third finger. I call it the ring finger, or people refer to it as. Go with me to the Gospel of John. It's the, it's the finger of promise. It's the finger of protection. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Last night we had a, a wedding. We did it in like the, I guarantee you, most, most of you never even knew Florida, this part of these places in Florida exist. It's only an hour or so from here, but it was an hour into the woods in 19 back roads, how GPS knew to get us there. I mean, and it went from one level of redneck to the next level. You could tell by the signs hanging on and the cars in the yard and the, you know, you could just, and I love it. Don't, don't hear me wrong. I, we could have moved out there. So don't, I'm not putting them down. I'm just like, wow, 
We're, we're in the woods here. Literally, during the wedding, they were firing shotguns off like an acre away. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, we're, it was just, and so when we get to the ring part, my favorite part of a wedding, we'd give that ring to the, to the groom. And these, this couple had grown up in the church, so it was extra emotional for us. Been in our youth group. Uh, one of our leaders' child, uh, just, uh, and, and so we do this vow. It's simple. With this ring, I thee wed. With all that I am and all that I have, I give to you and promise you my love in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the ring of promise. It's the symbol of covenant. It's the I'm all in, whether I feel like it or not. That ring doesn't change. Feelings come and go. God has a ring finger. And when he put that ring on us, he wears it too. Because when he makes a promise, you go to the bank and you count on it. He cannot lie. He'll never break his word. His promise, his oath binds him in blood. And when Jesus talks about being the good shepherd in John 10, he speaks about his sheep, what it means to be a believer or a Christian. And John 10, we'll start in verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. So how do you know you're a Christian? You listen to God. You listen to his word. You follow what you sense God wants you to do. Being a Christian and going to church, it's listening to God. Not an audible voice, but an inward surrender that says, your will be done, not mine. God, your direction, that hand of guidance. I'm holding it. I want to go where you want me to go, even if I don't want to go there. That hand of favor. God, I can't make it without your favor in my life. Smile on me. I know I'm his sheep because I pay attention to his voice. And the second thing Jesus says is that they not only listen to him, he says, I know them. Earlier in the chapter, he says, I call them by name. That's why we teach people to journal by using your first name, because God's that intimate. He didn't just say, hey, you. He says, Jamie, Jamie, I want you to know. And then I, I write what I sense God's saying to me personally from my time in thinking about his word and, and make it personal. We make our songs personal to God. And he, he wants that personal relationship with you. If you don't have that, you can start it this morning. He says, my sheep, they, they listen to me. I know them and they follow me. How do you know you're a sheep? That doesn't mean you get it right all the time. That means when you get it wrong, you get back in line. Following him. Then he says this, verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall, say it with me, never perish. What a promise. This is that ring finger. This is God saying, I'm going to give you a gift, my gift of eternal life, and I'm never going to let you perish. Perish is destruction. Perish is judgment. Perish is not just like going through a hard time. It's, it's the destruction of what sin could do. It's the destruction of evil if it has its way. It's the destruction of judgment that we'll face without his gift of eternal life. And then he says this, not only will you never perish, he had just earlier in the chapter referenced as a shepherd, shepherds have to face wolves because wolves come to devour the sheep. And Jesus says this, no man, after he says, you'll never perish, he says, no one can snatch them, his sheep, out of my hand. So I call it the hand of protection. It's the grip of grace. And when God gets a hold of you, and you give yourself to him, he's got you, and he ain't letting go. Amen? Isn't that good to know? I mean, any, all of you, any of you have ever held a child's hand or a grandchild's hand or somebody's child, a child and, and, and that child wants to let go and get distracted and run across, you don't just go, okay, I'm just going to let them do whatever they want to do. That's child abuse. Letting a kid do whatever they want to do, that's stupid at best. You don't, you, you, no, jerk them back out of the road, save their life. God loves us too much to let go. He, he grips you. He holds you. He's keeping you from that which wants to take you from evil, darkness, from destruction, from the demons of hell. 
and we walk through a valley of shadow of death. We walk through evil and wickedness. We walk through in a sinful world, temptation and attacks. And God says, I've got you. But if, if you're saying, I'm not sure, then if that's not enough, he goes on and he says, verse 29, my father who has given them the sheep to me is greater than all and no one can snatch him out of his hand either. And I and the Father are one. Just think of that. Whew. Gripped by God, gripped by the Son, filled with the Spirit. I call that security. Amen? He wears the promise of caring for us. And never, never, never will he let go. Never, never, never will he let go. The goodness of God keeps coming after, keeps coming after me. It's the goodness of that grip. Okay, the little finger. What could the little finger? Let's go to Acts chapter 4. I thought, you know, well, Lauren, what is a, what is a little? It's just a little finger. What's a little finger? Well, in the book of Acts chapter 4, the, I can't go into the story, but Peter and John, they heal this guy. It's a dramatic miracle, and it just, it just it ticks off the religious people because they can't get rid of Jesus. They did it in Jesus' name. They threaten them. They threaten to have them punished, put in jail. And so instead of becoming big babies, sucking their thumbs, they come back to the church. They have a prayer meeting like we're going to have on Friday night. Not for the same reasons, but Sunday we, we probably will. And they go and they meet with their people. And I want you to see this prayer in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 25. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God and said, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Now they're going to quote the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, which is a great example of praying the word of God back to the Lord. And they said to the Lord out of Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and knock their teeth out. Smack them, God, and grind them to powder. Obliviate them. Oh, that was the American version. Okay. Stay with me because I'm about to hurt you. It's okay to be hurt. God loves us enough. Faithful to the wounds of a friend. I'm going to wound some of you right now. I've been plenty wounded by the Lord. Wounds are healing if they're meant from love. But listen to me. We, we, our propensity in America is not to run to Jesus and pray this kind of prayer they're about to pray. It's to come to Jesus and pray a prayer that's very self-serving and very political and very American, which is basically God destroy our enemies so that we can win and we can be comfortable. Look at their prayer here. Follow this. They're under oppression. They're in the minority. They're, they're under a siege. They're under threat. The bully is poking them in the chest. And they cry out to God and they say, God, Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Basically, help us to keep doing what we're doing, and we're going to see more threats. Not a prayer. I don't know that I would pray that. Can you imagine the city shut us down because they didn't like something we said in the message? It's happening in Canada. It's happening in Finland. It, it'll get to us. Hopefully not. I, I don't want to say hopefully not. I'd rather it come before I'm done then just leave it for our children and grandchildren. But where they'll dictate what you can or can't say according to the word of God. You have to agree with what the, what the favorite policies of the day are. So the church doesn't pray for God to smite their enemies. The church prays for God to empower them to be witnesses, not to be arrogant, not to be mean, not to be rude, but just to keep sharing Jesus, to keep standing with Jesus. Now look at this, don't miss it. 
They not only pray for strength to speak, verse 30, they say, stretch out your hand to heal. Not to smite with anger and wrath. That comes in the book of Revelation. You see the judgment of God. But God's heart for his church, I remember when there was a shooting in Texas at the church. I had men that wanted to get guns and be on our roof. And if I were to ask a poll, most people would probably say, yeah. No, no. I'm not saying it's wrong to protect yours. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't get all, all gun weary on me. What I'm saying is, is that you're, our, our first line of defense, our, our first line of protection, our, our first line of, of, of what to do when we're under threat, it's not to strike back. It's not to, to, to use the weapons of the world. It, it's to cry out to God and ask him to stretch out his hand and heal that person that's bringing the threats. Heal that political leader that may be off into a deep end and dragging the country in the wrong way. Stretch out your hand, God. Change their hearts. Bless their wife. Let their wife come to Jesus at night in bed and roll over like Pilate's wife and said, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about what you're doing. Pray for God to put people around them that can speak wisdom and, 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 and guidance to them. I don't know, but I call this the little finger. Because God doesn't have to beat the enemies with a big finger. He just, he, he, it's nothing to him. They started with the greatness of their God in prayer. And then they moved to the heart of the cross. Because God defeated evil with his weakness, his little finger of surrendering. Power in the Bible is not about superior strength over another. Power in the Bible is about that yieldedness to God and our weakness and letting him give us strength. So when I talk about the hand of God and our church, I'm hoping, praying, Pastor Kim and I, our team, Friday, we want to see God stretch his hand out and heal. As it goes on to say, stretch out your hand to heal, to do signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I say, yes, Lord. And I don't want yes for the persecution, but if it happens, it happens. And we stand in the strength that God gives us. We don't fear it. Because we've got a big God, his little finger. There's a great verse in the Old Testament. I don't want to go there because, you know, if you do a little deeper study on it. But one guy says to another guy, they're kind of intimidating. You know, he goes, your dad's, my little finger is bigger around than his waist. Well, he meant something else in the story if you go a little deeper. But it's just mocking the, the, the strength of the other person. He's nothing. God says, my little finger my, the tip of my little finger, the worst enemy you'll ever face. He's already beaten them. He's defeated them. Jesus said this in the Gospel of Luke. He said, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, I'm thinking a little, I always thought this finger. I'm thinking Jesus used his little finger. I don't know if that's true or not, but it makes for good preaching and it ties in with the hand that I made. So don't ruin it with the truth. And that little finger, in Luke he calls it's the finger of God. The same verse in Matthew, he calls it the spirit of God. Well, which one is it? Yes, the hand of God is the spirit of God. And I think when Jesus cast out a demon, he just kind of went, go, go. You can go now, Johnny, go. The power that he has in his little finger is stronger than all the enemies will ever face. He's a big God, powerful. All right, last finger, the thumb. I want you to go to John 20, 20, resurrection story. I see the thumbs. It's the most powerful finger we have. It's, it holds the other fingers into in a, a place that is just a strength of a grip that we would never have without the thumb. I see it as the power of salvation finger. You know, we talked about the pointing one way, this finger of guidance. We've talked about the finger of favor, the smile of God. We talked about the finger of promise and protection and the little finger of, of power through prayer. And the last finger, this is what, you think this, yeah, 
I think this and much more is what Jabez was talking about. You can take that one line, Lord, let your hand be upon me, and pick a finger. And pray the finger. Don't go home and do this, though. Jesus, touch me. Let the scriptures go in my head. Read them. John 10, I'm sorry, John 20. Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He appears to his disciples. Thomas is not there. He shows the disciples his wounds, which shows after the resurrection, he still had his wounds. And in fact, the book of Revelation that we'll sing at the end about, the Lamb of God, John sees the wounds. He said he looked like a lamb that had been slain. He carries those wounds throughout eternity. They're the they're the marks of redemption. They're the scars that heal us. That's why we have a hole in the hand. Because he still has that hole. So that we can not have the scars that life brings to us. He bears the marks of redemption. So he shows up in resurrection. Thomas is sitting there and he says, I don't believe you. I'm not going to believe that he's alive. I refuse to believe. That's what unbelief is. It's a choice. I refuse to believe unless I see the nail prints in his hands and the scar of his side. And, and, and so Jesus the next week shows up again, walks through the locked door in his resurrected body. And he shows up. And now this time Thomas is there. Let's pick up the story in verse 26 of John 20. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked... Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Why did he say that? Because they were freaked out. He just walked through the wall. Come on. They're you. They're me. He said, oh, it's all right. Peace. And then he says this. And then he said to Thomas, he's looking for him. Isn't that cool? When you come to church, the Lord finds you even though you might hear something that I'm not even talking about, or Pastor Kim. It happens all the time in church. We have a couple that we know that were in church and been wrestling with God. They're living together. They're not married. And God spoke to both of them at the same time in their church service about getting married. And the pastor said nothing about it. Who was talking to him? The Holy Spirit. And this is Jesus comes to the room, and he's looking for Peter. He's, I mean, for uh, Thomas. He's not mad at him. He just wants to call his bluff. He just wants to show him that he cares enough to come and show him his scar. So he calls him out, Thomas. He's basically, I heard what you said last week when, you know, I wasn't around. I can still hear and uh, he calls him out. He says, Thomas, the doors are locked and he's peace. Then, then he says to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas says, my Lord, the greatest confession in the whole Bible to who Jesus is comes from a doubter. So don't think you're lost because you struggle with doubts. He became a believer and confessed the greatest confession ever made of who Jesus is in a short few word sentence he says my lord and my god and jesus says because you have seen me you've believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe and that would be us god's not going to show you he could stretch out his hand here this morning and say put your finger in if you want to believe if you're doubting but if you're here and you haven't come to that place where your life is in his hands you, you, you know god's real but you don't have a relationship with him. You haven't come to that place of surrender to where you know that your life is in his hands. It, 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 it's, it's that gift that Jesus talked about in John 10 of eternal life. It, it has to be received. It's the ring you got to put on. You, you got to accept Christ by faith. And I know many of you uh, have, have, have done that, but, but I'm, I'm asking, do, do you know that you're in his hands? Have you sealed the deal with him? Do you have that confidence that you'll never perish and no one can snatch you out of his hands? Well, this day you can settle that with Jesus. 
Now, I wish he would remove all doubts by just showing up, but that'll cripple your faith. If you need Jesus to show up today for, to believe in him, you'll need him next week to show up twice. You'll need three more angels the week after that. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. I wish God would squeeze your hand, literally, and let you know you're here. he's here. But you have to take it by faith that his hand is here. You have to walk in faith that he's guiding you. Walk in faith that he's giving you favor. Walk in faith that he's holding and protecting you. Walk in faith that he's going to send power and stretch out his hand. And walk in faith that you're in his hand for salvation. Those nail-scarred hands. Let's pray together. Just take a moment and, I, you know, maybe you've heard this before. Maybe it's new to you. But just, can you be honest? Are you more like Thomas that you're just waiting for some sign or God to prove himself or, or, or something to overcome the questions you have? Or, or are you at a place where you're going to just trust Jesus by faith? He, he's here by his spirit. Through his word, he's spoken to you, and he's offering you the gift of a relationship with him, the gift of a new beginning, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. They're all in inviting Christ into your life. So let me just, just give you that opportunity. You might be watching online, wherever you are. You could be in a car, and, and you're watching, and, and, and you just, it's, it's your time to surrender all to Jesus. So just whisper that prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Just ask him. He could force himself a thousand times, but he's not going to. He waits on you to open the door and invite him to come in. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. And I receive your gift of eternal life. Just ask him. Now, Lord, those that have prayed that prayer, whispered that prayer to you, would you give them courage just like you did in the book of Acts? Give them boldness to stand and speak their faith that they're beginning with today. Help them, Lord. Have courage in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sing this last song together, honey, come on up. If you prayed that prayer online, we'd love to hear from you. Texas, say, I said yes to Jesus. If you're here and you prayed, maybe you prayed last week. Couple, you just haven't had that going to stand. And I know it's a big deal to stand publicly, but I'm going to promise you, you won't stand alone. And we're not trying to do anything to embarrass you. We want to celebrate with you. You stand and he'll hold your hand. I promise you that. If you're here and you've not made that public stand for Christ, I want to invite you to stand wherever you are and say, I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Just be bold. Stand where you are. This is your day. Step across that line of faith. I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. I tried to make a deal with God and something like this. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I said, if someone else stands, I will. No one else did. I had to go. And once I did, several more followed after me. But maybe you're the first today. Be bold. I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Seal the deal. the hand of the Lord be upon us. Let's stand up together. We're going to sing a song that's about that revelation scripture where Jesus was the Lamb of God. I want you to, as you sing this morning, to just open your hands to his hand. It's okay to say, Father, hold me as we're singing. Father, I need your grip. Stretch out your hand, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Let's worship him together, church.